And what we'll be doing for the next couple months or indefinitely is uh, teaching the visions here. Um, teaching the visions here because we all got to get an understanding of God's movement, uh, what God is doing in the spirit realm. And these visions are great um, for your eyes to see what's actually taking place in the spirit realm. So um, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be teaching on uh, when me and Tori speak, uh, unless the Lord gives us anything else, the visions. And we're going to focus on the first four, which is the little man chart, the regenerated spirit, function of the soul, and the glorious sons of God. So uh, this can be excellent. And the Lord was, uh, it was, I don't know if it was really pertaining to ministry in a sense of me speaking tonight, but he was telling me about how there's a, can you turn it down a little bit, Carl? There's a blessing when you speak out another man's vision, when you push another man's message outside of your own. See, we, we want to promote ourselves very quick, not only in ministry, but in the world. But the Lord spoke to me a long time, and he said, um, Essentially like this, I can only trust you if I allow you to trust you with somebody else's. I can only trust you with your own if I can trust you with somebody else's. So in this ministry, it's no longer about us. That's what we must learn. It's not about us. When we come in here and we get filled with God and we're growing in God, the idea that our dreams, our visions were, you know, we must, we must be willing to put that to the back burner until God brings that to fruition and serve whatever the mission, whatever the vision, and whatever the message is of this ministry. And most of the time when you're connected here, whatever vision, whatever message, or what any of that stuff was that you have, it's going to line right up with this ministry. Okay? So we must know that when we step into ministry and when we step into the workplace or whatever it is that it's for God's purposes and no longer ours. So essentially, we don't have a message of our own anymore. It's his message. In a word, it talks about being Christ's epistles, which is a letter. We're Christ's epistle. So we're the message of Christ. So whatever that is, whatever testimony he's done in you, whatever vision he's given you, whatever anything he's given you, is to proclaim his name and not our own. And I love it here because... This ministry makes it so easy for you to succeed. <laughs> they give you all the answers to the test before you take the test. And this is what these visions are. These visions are answers to the test before we take the test. So we must be willing to learn. We must be willing to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. So in due time, he will exalt us. Okay? So this is beautiful because um, coming here under um, in the office of an evangelist, this is the chart that you want to learn. This is the chart that you want to speak on because it, it demonstrates and it shows the progression of a non-believer to a believer. And there's two functions, and I'm not saying there's only two functions, but there's two functions that evangelists can do. He can evangelize and manipulate, uh, manipulate a person into Christ, to believe in Christ. And then he can manipulate or evangelize somebody to grow up in Christ. So that's what exactly this chart does. You can use it as a manipulative to manipulate someone into Christ or manipulative to manipulate somebody to grow up in God or Christ.
Okay. And I don't know, Carl, if you got the vision chart back there, but um, I'm just going to follow the scriptures on the back of that page. And God has been talking to me. It's Genesis 2-7, um, but you don't got to put that up. But it's talking about the breath of life or that was breathed into man. We should really start meditating on that along with James and whatever else God's put on your heart. Because in your breath is the spirit of life. So when you speak what God tells you to speak, it's going to bring life to areas, not only in your, in your life, but other people's lives. You can be used as a mighty instrument when you have knowledge and understanding of God's word. Okay, so he's been putting on my heart about how when we speak for him, it's the spirit of life behind it. And it can hit any area that it needs to hit if we're just willing to yield and not produce our own message or to speak our own message. Okay. All right, the first scripture is Matthew 18, 11. And we're going to take our time. We're going to make sure we all have understanding. So if we got to spend two weeks on this chart, that's what we'll do. And I think it's in the New King James. Isn't that, wasn't those songs awesome? I love those songs, man. I love that in this ministry, we can get music that glorifies and edifies God. And we don't have to do the work for searching it out. Isn't that kind of awesome? Yeah. I got your music too. It's in the truck. But that's awesome. I thought about that. The type of labor that goes on in this ministry that is unnoticed. Think about how we just reap the benefits of worship. And we, ain't gotta, we don't got to search and listen to music for hours to see if they're edifying God or edifying themselves. It's powerful, man, when you really think about it. Maybe it's uh, the Amplified. Yeah, that's it. For the Son of Man came to save from the penalty of eternal death that which was lost. Okay? What you see right here is on this first portion, this first position in the little man chart, this man is completely lost. Darkness is surrounding him. And, all, and actually, you see there's a void. But in that void is darkness as well. Okay? So Jesus Christ came to save from the penalty of eternal death that which was lost. We were lost before we came to Christ. I don't care how you look at it. We were just in our own mess or in, in the world's mess, claiming it as our own. But in that darkness, there's influences of deception, betrayal, all these different influences of, of the dark kingdom or the kingdom of Satan um, to keep us attached to the world. And in the world, I think it's in Ecclesiastes, it says it's eternity that rests in man's heart. So what we do as unbelievers or when we lost, we, there's a void in our spirit. We know we're, we're yearning for the spirit of God, but we don't know what we're yearning for. And in the spirit, I mean, in the, in the absence of the spirit of God, we start latching on to different things. So whether it's uh, TV, um, people, you know, anything you can do in the world, we try to fill that void to give us that completeness, the things we feel. So in that void, when we feel those things, we're not being satisfied. And that's why, you know, it's attracting other influences of darkness to keep us in the same cycle to try to dig deep to find what we really want in here. And until we accept Christ, it'll never be filled. That eternity, what's, what's all that's resting in here. It's a great void. Because think about the power of God on the inside of you. 
It's a great void. And think about how many things we try to cram down there before we came to Christ. Okay? So remember, the first man on this chart is a lost man. And he's subject to the influences of the enemy, the power of them. Okay? And what the lost man does, he tries to fill the void that's in him, not with the spirit of God, but with perversion, love of money, all these different things to try to reach a place in God or reach a place in the world that he can only obtain, obtain in God. All right, do y'all have any questions? Go to John 3, 3 for me, brother. And this is a good self-check chart for where you are in God. The Holy Spirit will tell you exactly where you are. It will, every time. And when you see this chart, you kind of go right to where you know you are. Your eyes go right to it. Just one second, we'll wait. Just, if you got questions to ask at the end, I'm going to get through these scriptures and then um, we can just ask questions. Just write them down. Don't think you're going to remember because we're probably going to talk about a few different things. <coughs> All right, Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, that unless a person is born again, a new from above, he cannot ever see, know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God. So, unless a man is born again, he'll never be able to experience the kingdom of God. That's the power of God, which is Jesus Christ. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven. Okay. So, most assuredly, I tell you that unless a person is born again, he cannot ever see or experience the kingdom of God, which is Jesus Christ, which is his fullness, which is what he came to give us, which is life eternal, which is him. Jesus Christ is eternal life. So that means we can't see it. So have you noticed that when there's a lost person in your circle and God is doing things in your life, they don't necessarily associate it with God, the power of God. And what I mean by that, they will disassociate it, saying that that, that that can't be God. It's just, you know, it's a coincidence or, you know, it's whatever the different happenings would be. But the man can never, a person can never see the kingdom of God, the power of God. They're going to think it's foolishness. Okay? Know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God, which is his power, his rule, which is Jesus Christ. We must be born again. We must be. We must, we must believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, and we must confess that he was Lord, that he is Lord. All right, let's go to Titus 3.5. When you look at this chart and you identify where you are, and especially in this burial season, when you see this darkness that's surrounding the man, these are influences that are capping off God's love in areas of your life. So when you look at this chart and you start identifying where you are, you should, you know, and I've been, I've been pursuing God on in this burial season about things that I know I shouldn't be dealing with, meaning I shouldn't be attached to. So when I look at this chart and I'm looking at where I am, you can see different influences that's capping you off. What holds God's kingdom back? What in its influence has a throneship in your soul? Okay, because you see this person right here still has the light of God, but he's still subject to influences of darkness, not the power of them. Like he doesn't have to do it, what it wants him to do, but he's still subject, excuse me, to the influence. It's going to come. It's going to come. 
Okay, he saved us not because, this is Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own pity and mercy by the cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing we can do to be born again except confess. There's no works of righteousness to be accepted in God's kingdom. And that's one thing we definitely should just eliminate our minds because we'll never be good enough. You know, go, go to a God as holy as he. You know what I'm saying? So, but it said, um, it's not because of righteousness that we have done. It's not because we go feed the poor. It's not because we take people in our home. It's not because we give people things and, you know, give them coats to wear on our backs. But it's because God had pity and mercy for us. That is it. Because, we, you know, if he didn't, we would never be good enough. Think about just all the different things that used to consume us before regeneration. And think about how the bombardment and the, the onslaught came after you accepted Christ and decided, making a choice, conversion to really live for God. Think about those things. We needed pity and mercy. We really did. By the cleansing of the bath, cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's just receiving him right in your heart, man. And there's so much power in this dude right here. There's so much power in this guy, man. If we could just get a hold of what we have on the inside of us, God could really move and shake some things up. But you see what it is, what we have an issue with is that the darkness is sometimes greater than the light in us. And we have to use that light to purge out the darkness, you know? It's so much power. I remember reading this, or I was, I wanted to teach on this, uh, maybe one of my first teachings. And I just think, remember, the first thing that came to mind when I looked at that little man is in the beginning when the Lord said, let there be light. Think about how everything became exposed when we received Christ. It's like, dang, I'm really, I'm not really doing good stuff for my life. And you really wanted to make that change. God is good, man. God is great. God is excellent. God is everything that is edifying. He's beautiful. He's just awesome. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 49. And all these, all these uh, visions are in um, your discipleship binder or your sonship binder. And study these visions. Really go through your sonship binder and let the Lord speak to you on what he wants you to study on, but definitely study the visions because if you're in this ministry, man, you're called to these visions. You're called to minister them out. You're called to help people grow up. That's just what it is. All right, the word says, 1 Corinthians 15, 49, and just, have, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we, and so let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. And that's what this, this chart is showing. That we have bared the image <laughs> of dust when we were lost. This filth, nastiness. But we must also bear the image of the man of heaven, which is Jesus Christ, which is down here at the very bottom. We must grow up in God. We must allow the mind of Christ to consume us, to be the only thing we think. We must be constantly hearing and pursuing God at a level where Nothing else really matters. It's kind of, it's really an abandonment. It's like, God, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what are you speaking to me? What, do you, what is on your heart today? I just always think about, like, that is one thing you can ask God. What's on your heart today? How are you doing today? You know, think about talking to, like, a real, he is real, but I'm saying, like, somebody who's sitting right in front of you. What's on your heart, man? 
tell me, you know, how can I, you know, how can I pursue you better? What, what, what more do you want from me? Or, you know, tell me something about yourself that nobody else knows. Y'all ever ask God that? That'd be, a, you know, and that'd be awesome to see what God gives every, every different person in here. But we must bore or bear that, bear that image of the man of heaven. Jesus Christ is worthy of all praise. He is the man from heaven. Can I go to 2 Corinthians 5.17? Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So the moment we receive Christ, all the old stuff that we connected to no longer exists, especially if it wasn't of God. And all things have become new in our life. And um, we must understand that and know that even though the spirit has not fully taken effect in our soul, we're a new creation through Jesus Christ, through the regeneration of the spirit in us, and that we can act accordingly to that. We're not bound by the experiences, the things we have done in the past anymore. Regardless if anybody identifies that with us, we don't have to identify with it. And I just love it. And I think it means he talked about this, about how how abandoned the Apostle Paul was because he was crucifying the church. And in the word he talked about, like, I'm not even that dude. I don't even know who you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's like we can be like that. We don't got to associate with none of that. And you can be renewed in God every day. You get up and pursue him, ask him to fill you with his spirit constantly. You can be new every day. Behold, a new thing every day. And it says fresh. Don't y'all want to be fresh and not dingy? Fresh and not worn out? Fresh and not stinky? (laughs) Behold, the fresh and new has come. That's the spirit of God dwelling inside of you. Allowing and putting you in a place of knowing that you don't have to conform back to the old ways of things you used to do or the old ways you used to think. Man's mind is so powerful that you can think something and it gives you a picture about it. And what you think on, you'll see. And what you see, you'll believe. So think about how powerful the mind is. If we can get the spirit to just infiltrate our soul and get the mind to submit to the spirit, think about the things we'll see. That's why when people talk about going to heaven and you know having these experiences, man, they got a portion of their mind renewed. They don't got to fight through the junk. And that's why worship is so important. Man, worship is a time to solely commit to God. You have praise, you have praise and worship, and you have worship. Worship is just you and God. Nobody else, no cell phones, no driving, no working out, you know, no eating. That's not worship. How can you fully meditate on somebody if you're doing something else? Worship is the sole surrender of everything unto the king, unto the God of heaven. Now, praise and worship and praise, there can be some other activities going on. I const- I'm constantly in praise, constantly. I always got my headphones in. I'm always listening to music. And in that praise, it'll push you to worship. And you, you'll get to the place where you say, I don't want to do anything else. Where I need to just stop and just go ahead and worship God because he's just going to come down. And when Jesus starts sanctifying you, all you really want to do is go before God. That's it. You don't want to do nothing else. Or you may want to write, journal what you're hearing from the Lord. 
But there's, there's two. We have to. We really have to. So we really have to know if we're really pushing in worship. Now you can go into praise and worship, but complete worship unto God. You're not doing anything else except singing praise. You may be uh, quiet. And I got this great revelation from Gene. He was telling. I was talking to him about worship, and uh, he was saying, when you get in God's rest, when you're in worship, and we have to be sensitive to God's voice and God's movement. When we when we get into worship. When you get into worship, it's really Jesus worshiping God through you, but you may not even be singing anymore. There can be a hum. There can be like a constant sound like, ah. Uh, have you ever heard Lee? That's because, she, you know, she, I've heard it where she's gotten it, gotten there like in the second song. And, it, and we can all still be in a praise, but her mind has already just been, you know, just filled with God. And she's already in a hum. She's not even singing anymore. I've heard Gene do it too. And, you know, me and Tori have been practicing that. And what I mean by practicing that, when I feel like I need to come into a rest because I'm a, I like to praise. I like to sing. I'm already just a, a loud guy kind of already. So I enjoy praise. But when God starts to come down, I do kind of want to get into that hum. And the, the revelation was that that's when God moves. And that, that kind of that quiet, still, that hum like, hmm, you can hum with the music or that, uh, whatever the sound is that God puts in. You remember? It was talk. It's, it's a song, and we got these new songs now, where we all are starting to get into this. That's what made me think about it. We're all starting to get into this one sound, and it's like where they're like, "Oh, the songs are just a sound, and we're not really saying anything." But there's a sound that we're going to hit that's going to propel us right to heaven. It's like everybody's going to get caught up, and then we're not going to. It's like Saturday night when we're all on the ground. We already hit. We hit. We hit a level in God where He just came down and just set on us. But when we hit a sound together. It's going to allow us to receive revelation just so clear from heaven because we're all going to be in unity. So Gina be hearing something. Kendrick be hearing something. You know, Lee be hearing something. Mamie be hearing something. And we're all going to be just in, in a oneness in that sound. And we won't have to talk about it. We know that other people got it. You know what I'm saying? But worship is so important because the corporate worship when we come on Saturday is powerful to bring us all together and unify us in God. But the purpose of you know, your worship at home is to unify you with, you know, your, you sanctify your home, but to bring you into place in God. So when you come out from home and come into a place like this, you're at a higher level and you can help everybody else come in. That's why home worship is so important because it's intimacy with God. It's only you and him. And then when you come here, you're bringing another portion. Praise and worship changed my life. Meditating and reading the word changed my life. I'm just now kind of getting into prayer. I've been trying to get in prayer for a year now. But uh, it's powerful. If you really just dedicate time with God, he can literally do anything. Any, anything. 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 God is cultivating this, this testimony in, him, in me. We'll get back to the scripture in a moment. But I've been asking God why I've been suffering with this. This issue I have or that I had or an issue that God is trying to remove out of my life. And I was like, Lord, why, why haven't I just been delivered from this thing? You know, why? You know, I'm pursuing you all this different stuff. He said, I'm building a testimony that no one can take away. I'm, I'm building a testimony that will deliver other people. So when we look at it, we have to <laughs> obey instructions. I fought this for over a year now because of my own selfish desire, my only fleshly desires. And when this when this testimony comes to fruition, it's literally gonna break some serious chains 
not only in this ministry, but other ministries out in the world. But we never know why we're going, going through something. And I'm just like, Lord, this thing is just on me. I don't want to give it up either. I like it. You know what I'm saying? But I got fed up with it because it controlled me. And I, and I said, Lord, you got to do it. So he gave me some instruction. I've been practicing the instruction. I said, I don't know how long it's going to take, but however long it takes. But he said it's for his testimony. And it's going to be so powerful that it's going to deliver. It's, it's going to be supernatural. Because God is the only person that could have did it. God, it, it. People won't even notice that it's happening. But when the testimony is told, it will, it will bring people to awe. It's like that. And it's crazy to me. Just thinking about it, it makes me just say, oh, Lord, this is a challenge. But that's my personality type. I like a challenge. Praise God. I get up here and spill all my beans. Y'all want to. Ephesians 2.1. It's never about us anymore, folks. Whatever your issue is, whatever you're going through, you just, you know, examine it in yourself and, you know, ask the Lord to fix you or, you know, cleanse you. And then ask what the purpose was for. Me and Tori was talking the other day in a car and we were talking about something. And then something came out. And it was principle without purpose is pointless. So if we're practicing principles that God gave us just to practice them, they're going to be pointless. Just like reading the word, just to say, I've read the word, I've read the entire Bible. We know that reading the word is good for you, but if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, or you're just doing it to say you've done it, it's pointless. So principle without purpose is pointless. And the thing, boy, I tell you, man, God is, <laughs> I get so hyped when I think about what God be doing, man, because it's only him. You, man, I, I believe God has taken all of us into a new level of sanctification. It may not be the, the way it was the last time we did it, but it's a higher level and it's, it, it can be more intense, but it may not be as painful. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So if we submit to that sanctification, he's really going to take us, he's going to take us to a new level, a higher level faster and quicker because he don't got to fight through so much junk. Jesus, man, when we got married, didn't we want our bride? We wanted our, I couldn't wait for Tori to come down the aisle. I was ready to leave as soon as she came down. So think about how Jesus been feeling, man, for the last 2,000 years. He wants his people to get it right. He don't want us struggling on earth, man. So I think about how hype he's willing to pour out at new levels. He is so willing. Are we willing to pursue him? Are we willing to sanctify ourselves under him? That is the truth. We really have to self-examine ourselves. Are we really willing to give up the things that we want for the things he wants? That's what this chart is about. Giving up the things of the old to receive the things of the new. And look how dingy this dude looks compared to the guy at the bottom. You don't even want to be that. It don't even look good. It's all these circles just, just look like they crowding him. They don't even look like they're a part of just crowding him. It just looks uncomfortable. And this man right here just looks so free. And the, and, the, and the influence around him just looks so peaceful. And you, this is Ephesians 2.1, and you, he made alive when you were dead, slain by your own trespasses and sin. God definitely made us alive, and we were definitely dead to sin. 
I like when I talk to people about, you know, when when we have to minister to friends and stuff like that. And when people come to the end of themselves, it's like there's death on them. It's not like a natural, but you can just sense death. And they're like at the complete end. You know, they're willing to make whatever change needs to be made. And it's like the moment that they start confessing that, Lord, I am a sinner. <laughs> hey, everybody break on that line when you come to Christ and you're at your end. Lord, I am a sinner. And I know that Jesus died for my sins. Man, they break. But after that moment, there was a, a refreshing. There was like life literally just entered their body. And that's what Jesus did. He made us alive. So we shouldn't be dead Christians walking around moping, being upset at what's going on in our life, our world, because it's not true. It's that the things that are seen are, are, are not eternal, they're temporal. But the things that are unseen, which is the Holy Spirit in us, the life of Christ in us, that is eternal. So we don't, we don't want to portray Christ as a broke down, busted, disgusted Christian, because that is the wrong image. And then people will literally take who you are and say that's what Christianity is, or that's what the life of Christ is about, off of one person. And that's terrible. We should be doing our, our utmost best to present ourselves a living sacrifice and to promote God's kingdom, his son, Jesus Christ. We should be doing all we can within us because he brought us from death. I remember what it felt like when I was dying in the world. There was no hope. Zero. And the hope I had would always fade away. It's like I could never get ahead. It was like the moment I would get close to something, something else would come up and hit me right in the face. It was like something constantly keeping me from breaking through. Constantly. And I think about now, I, I have so much joy, man. I have so much joy. I'm constantly smiling. But I, I keep thinking in my head, like, Lord, am I not, like, am I being just too happy, not thinking about some evil that's about to come? You get what I'm saying? Like, I'm so happy that I'm just disregarding that anything that could come my way. That could be like a, a device of the enemy or a scheme of the enemy. Whereas in the world, you think, oh, man, what is it? Man, I can't be this happy, man. Something else, about, something bad about to happen. Yeah. How many have said that? Yeah. I can't be this happy. Something bad about to happen. Too good to be true. It's too good to be true. That's not the life in Christ, y'all. We move from glory to glory. Not from glory to hell to glory to hell. <laughs> we don't do that, you know? So I just think about how my mind has been transformed in that. And if something comes, man, it's, it's our approach to it. It's our outlook on it. We got to get God's wisdom. God's wisdom is seeing the things. Seeing the beginning, seeing the end from the beginning. And then God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ will fill in the in-between as we walk through it. You know, you never, you, we don't even know the fruition of the things that we go through until we can sit back and look back at it and say, wow, look at the miraculous work of God. How many of us really want God to do the things in our life? Just him. How many just want God to do everything in our life? Every single thing. Imagine this, waking up, him providing food for you, literally like giving you food, giving, get, you know, providing you a place to, to get to where you need to go, giving you money, giving you a house, call. What if God did, like, what if we allowed God to do everything? It was set up like that in the garden. The man had everything waiting for him. Imagine if we just allowed God to do everything. And what I mean by that, God will probably give you something to do, which is how he'll provide for you. But imagine if we allowed him that, that ability. Imagine. Imagine. And it says the thing when God does something, it's a sure thing. When man does something, it is not a sure thing. You know what I'm saying? People can renege in the world. They can. God never reneges. He doesn't. 
it's, it's eternal. Once God does it, it's eternal. It's already done. I love it when Gene says, when you go through something in God, you never have to go back to it. Never have to go back to it. You never have to go back to it. In the world, we always end up going back to it. It's repeat performance. All right. Second Corinthians 5, 5, please. Praise God. I have this new excitement for God, um, or more of an excitement for God. I just have this this heightenedness for him because for the first time in my life, I have a clearer vision about what God may be trying to do in my life. And I know it's not subjugated by my own thoughts because the life I'm living right now was definitely not the life I would have chosen for myself. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's the best life that I could have ever chose. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's just a blessing to see how God can just pick people out, bring them together, and everybody has their their growth. And we can sit back and watch everybody grow up and receive from God and just, you know, the love of God. Just infiltrate every part of them. Alright, it says, now he who has fashioned us, preparing and making us fit for this very thing is God. Who has also, who also has given us the Holy Spirit, excuse me, as a guarantee of the fulfillment of his promises. God has fashioned us for his glory. God has fashioned us to walk in his presence, to carry his presence. Um, God has fashioned us to uh, walk up whatever call he's asked of all of us to do. He's already fashioned us for it. And the guarantee of what he has prepared and made us fit for and the fulfillment of his promises is the Holy Spirit, which we receive right at receiving him. Confessing that he is Lord and believing in our hearts that he was risen from the dead after, you know, taking our sins. So the fulfillment and the guarantee is this little man that dwells inside of us, which has all the answers. And whenever we need comfort, whenever we need direction, all we have to do is look inward and not outward. And he is our guarantee of success or the fulfillment of his promises. All right, 2 Corinthians 4.16. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's good when you can have joy when you're getting delivered. At back in the day, boy, we you be you you don't like getting delivered. <laughs> it's a scary thing or it's a it's a painful thing. It's a good thing when you can rejoice when being delivered. Therefore, do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and weary, wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner man is being progressively renewed day after day. Do not be discouraged, spiritless, exhausted, and worried out through fear. Do not. There are things that are going to come to try to make you worry. Things are going to come to try to make you spiritless, exhausted. Things are going to come to make you have fear. All those things are influences, devices of the enemy that surrounds us as we're growing in God to keep us from pressing in God, to keep us from worshiping and reading the word. How many times have we, you know, really went to go home? I'm going to go home and I'm going to spend so much time with God. As soon as we get home, we tired. Like, damn, man, I'm just going to rest here. For, I'm just going to rest here for a little bit. Oh, you know, just for a few minutes before you know it, you done passed out. You know, how many times have we done that? That's the spirit. And you have to conquer that spirit through your voice. It's an influence of the soul that's coming in the soul, trying to keep you from progressing in God. And you have to say, 
<laughs> I will pursue God in Jesus' name. <laughs> Whatever God gives you to say, God can tell you to say, stop in Jesus' name, and you can wake right up. Or to say Jesus, or plead the blood, or speak the name, or speak the word. If we don't have a word that we are standing on, it's almost like we're not equipped for battle. It's almost like I don't have, you know, a shield. I don't have my, you know, in the old time, medieval times, they called them gauntlets. You know, I don't have a, a you know, a breastplate or a helmet. It's like I'm like, I need something that's going to help me defend myself. And the word is the sword. But I'm just saying it's like I'm almost exposed when I don't have something I'm standing on. Because that word that God gave you is going to be tested. And if you're not standing on the word, when you get tested, you're going to feel a lot of pain sometimes. It's like, why am I going through this? And God's like, I already gave you the word. This is what you're to stand on, you know? Through fear, do not be discouraged, spiritless, exhausted, or worried out through fear. Because our outer man is progressively decaying. Our outer man is our sinful nature, which is our flesh. The, the earthly desires to do the things that we want to do, the things we will to do, and not the things that God wants us to do. When you get in God, and when you pursue God in the spirit, that thing is going to waste away. How many times, and I'm using y'all experiences, have we come in here and worship and we had so much in our mind that's trying to overcome us and just trying to just beat us down. And we just get into his presence and it seemed like it all went away. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go right back outside the door. Once we leave the presence, like the, the bombardment comes back again. You know, if we just understand that it's progressively decaying, progressively decaying while we're, you know, pursuing God or when we worshiping God or when we're reading the word, that it's always going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. This is just a process that God has taken us through. Endurement, faithfulness. So when the next person comes in or when the next person comes to you, you can speak a word of encouragement. Our words are so powerful. People just want to be loved in the world. Boy, people will condemn you. People will say mean things to you. People will be hateful. And, you know, they, they may just do it just to do it. You know what I'm saying? But some people just don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to be positive. You know, you're just taking all that stuff on. That's not how it is in God's kingdom. When we're in God's kingdom, we are, we are sent. We are, we are created to bring life and light into somebody else's life. Every chance you get, I always ask God. A lady walked up on me at Home Depot. I mean, at Lowe's. Every time somebody walks up on me, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is, what is, what is this moment for? You know what I'm saying? And it made just a smile. It made just to say, God bless you. I say, God bless you a lot. I think there's so much power in the word in saying, God bless you. I think when I say, God bless you to somebody, I, I really believe God's going to bless them. That's what I truly believe. If I say, God, God's going to bless that person. It's not just words. I really believe he's about to bless them. You know? But our words are so powerful. So when you get ready to encounter somebody, first thing I always try, I remove myself. I'm not saying I'm perfect, folks. But I say, oh, God, what do you want in this moment? And I just listen. Maybe the person just needs to talk. But most of the time, it always is for me to encourage them. You never know who you're going to encounter. And when we really start submitting ourselves like that, you'll see acceleration in the spirit because you are allowing your outer man to decay. How many times do we want to just be to ourselves? I want to go shop. I don't want to talk to no. I don't want to, I don't want to do the work of the Lord right now. <laughs> you don't make eye contact with nobody. <laughs> Leave me alone. Don't even make eye contact with the person you check, that's checking you out. <laughs> at the line. We talk to, me and Tori talk to everybody. I can't go nowhere without her. Y'all think I'd be evangelizing? No. Tori, Tori talks to everybody. Everybody. 
And I just love it. And when she gets engaged in the conversation, I just listen. I say, Lord, where you want me to step in? And it's so great to watch how it happens. Because Tori's like, she's the gatekeeper. She is. I say, Lord, do you want me to minister to this couple? Or do you want me to minister to this man, this woman? And she keeps talking to him. I know it. I already know it. And the Lord gave me a word to say to him. And I say it without fear. I, I really don't care what people think about what I think about God. I don't. Because I already know what God's done in my life. No one can ever take away your experiences. They can try to discredit the word, but they can never take away your experience with God. Only you can take away your experience with God. That's it. You can discredit what God has done in your life, and you can attribute it to something else. No one can take that away from you. That is his testimony. And every time we speak his testimony, he is edified. He is filled up. He's enthroned in the praises of his people. Man, we got to get we got to become fearless. Fearless in speaking about him. And the word says it says that who is ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of. Who is not ashamed, I will confess him and I will speak him to my father and the angels. Two different scriptures. One that says to the father, and then one says to the angels. So think about what God is saying when you're talking about him. Think about what he's saying to the people around him. I just think about, you know, I don't do it so God can talk about me. But you, you, I just think about like how things can just be changing in my life just by me talking about him. It literally says he talks about us in heaven. When we talk about him, he talks about us. It's kind of wild when you're thinking about it. He's speaking our name constantly. My life is like I'm trying to move in this place where it's really just about God. It really is. And God, I'm telling you, in this season, God will show you so many things about yourself that you never knew. He'll identify so much stuff. You really got to lay it all down. And don't be sad because of the stuff he's, he's, he's showing you. Don't be upset that it was you. Be proud that he wants to you know, get, get rid of it. Be happy because he wants to change you. And I'm, I'm embracing these things that, you know, I really don't like about myself. But the reason that he showed me, it just really shows me that he loves me. Because once, I'm telling you, I have this, 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 it's like the spots that are taken in our soul and the thrones in our mind that doesn't allow God's revelation. God's revelation, his remote word is his love. That's him saying, I love you. The revealed word is him saying, I love you. There are sometimes we can't even receive the remote word because of the thrones of the demonic enemy in our minds. So there are, there's influences that have such a stronghold on us. That if I don't allow God to pluck them out and move them out, I can never advance. I can never get the next revelation of God. And that's where you see people get into religious works. And they're doing the same thing year after year. Because they're stuck at a plateau because they have not allowed the Lord to identify the thrones that are of the kingdom of darkness in their mind. And they can't receive new revelation. Imagine how, think about how much stuff gets broken off at us at the born again experience. And how we can just read the word and God is just speaking to us. And then it's time for us to go to the next level. Think about it like this. And God's saying, okay, I need you to get rid of this. And we're like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I want to get rid of this. You can't go nowhere. And you feel it. You feel it in the natural realm. You can't go anywhere until you allow that thing that is not a God, that next movement thing to be plucked out and replaced with the word. Because we have something to do after he plucks it out. We replace it with the word because the word says that seven more stronger demons come. Boy, I think about perversion. And how that thing was on my life. I think if I didn't get delivered, what were the seven demons that were worse than what I had? 
That's scary when you think about it. Think about thievery. Think about adult. Think about all this different stuff, man. It could have got bad. But God is good. <laughs> and because he delivers. He does. It says seven more. Stronger. I say, Lord, I don't know. If your, boy, <laughs> or your boy wouldn't have made it. Y'all would have get me out the clinic. Um, all right, praise the Lord. What's the time? 7.32? Then we're good. All right, we'll go over this next time. We got the other half of the scriptures. But if you have this chart, if you have this chart, meditate on these scriptures. Just like God to give me revelation, like he gives Gene revelation, like he gives Lee revelation. Man, he's going to give everybody revelation. We cannot live off of somebody else's revelation. Yeah. Okay? What these are, these are tools to help us grow, to see what's actually going on. So if we don't allow that to be what it's going to be and pursue God with them, that's all they're going to be is just tools, sitting in a toolbox, not being used. God is willing to take anybody to the level that they want to be in him. God is not holding back nothing. Zero. Think about why it said all you need is a, the faith the size of a mustard seed. And in the word or, you know, in the world, I don't know where it says it at, but it says it's the smallest seed. But when it grows, it grows to be the largest harvest, right? It's the greatest of all seeds. So all we need is a little bit of faith that's going to blossom to be the greatest producer of anything. And you get in a place in God, this is faith, the spirit right here. This is the spirit of faith, the Holy Spirit. Think about when you got faith the size of a, a, a 13-year-old boy and not just a mustard seed. Think about the things that that's going to change and what you can speak and move. And he was talking to his disciples, and one of them was like, Lord, I can't. Was it about the tree, how he cursed the tree? Yeah. He said, I can't believe the tree got cursed, and the, the tree ain't even there no more. And then was it when he said, uh, you'll be able to speak to a mountain yeah. and tell it to be cast into a sea? I want to take that literally. I want to speak to Mount Everest and say, go to the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> And then turn around and know it was done. And drop the mic on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I could take God's word literal. Think about if you had that kind of faith. Man, these little things we're going through right now, they're going to seem minuscule, tiny, worthless when it's all said and done. It's only for a moment. It's but a breath. It may be enlarged right now. It's right in your view. But God going to make it tiny, man. He's going to use it. He's going to use it for his purposes. And then that's how he made a public spectacle of the enemy. Boy, all the hell was rejoicing when Christ was on the cross. When that joker went to hell, beat them all up. When he went down, that's what it said. Made a public spectacle of him. Think about the look on Satan's face when Jesus showed up right to him. And took the keys. Said, give me this. You have no more power. You have no more authority. Think about that. Think about look on his face. And now... He torments us because the life of Christ lives in us. He does that. And every time he looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ in God. It says we're made in the image and likeness of God. So every time he looks at us, he's seeing God. That's why he's so mad. He's angry. We must know who we are and whose we are. And when we do that, I'm not saying we are God. Because we definitely don't hold uh, uh, anything to him. But he made us look just like him. And what the, what the, what the enemy sees is a spirit. 
Excuse me, I'm going to say this one last thing and then I'm going to be done. I'll pray. I thought it was amazing in the Bible how these spiritual people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all these different people in, in the sect of Judaism or Jewish believers were so holy. And when Christ came, they did not recognize him. Hear me on this. They did not recognize him. But when Jesus went to the tomb and he went, demons called him the son of God. The enemy can see the God in you. And he's going to do all he can to disrupt whatever God is doing in you. And some may even just cry out, scream, screech. Gene said it happens all the time to him. But spiritual people in that time, religious leaders, cannot see the spirit of God. They cannot see Jesus as a son of God, but a demon did. That's crazy. And they read all about him. They were like the experts. That's crazy to me. So the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. And you don't think that those religious people and the people that have not found God are going to torment you. We just need to gird ourselves up. We just need to, I'm, I'm, I'm being for real. We just need to gird ourselves up. Because if we expect this walk to be easy, we signed up for the wrong walk. We did. We did. If we expect it not to go through the trials and the tribulations and the test of God, we signed up for the wrong test. But it's a blessing at the end of them. And what we do in the world, we look at what's now. In God, we look at what's eternal, what is everlasting, which is always, which is, which is everything. So we have to move from the ideal that what is happening right now is what I'm going to stand forever. And that's how Satan keeps us entrapped in the same cycle. I'll never get out of this. My family was like this. It's just in my blood. And that's a lie. The scriptures had already said, when we receive Christ, we're, we're, we're a new creation. I'll take that literally. My blood is not even the, the same anymore. So every disease that my, my grandparents carried, their parents carried, whatever, any spirit, I don't have it. And when God brings it to light, the power of it's cut off if I do what he tells me to do. The power can still be in operation if I don't obey. And in this season, he's going to shine the light on the things. And he said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You have to incline your ear. You have to give your ear to him. And then when he tells you to do it, there may be a struggle. But just go ahead and bow to the king and do what he asks you to do. Because he knows everything. So I bless y'all. Y'all are awesome. I just say thank you for coming in. Get excited. Get excited because what God is doing in this ministry it's not only going to take Savannah by storm, but it's going to take the world by storm. Okay? People say, you know, I don't think, you know, nobody, God has no favorites or no specials or whatever. I think we're God's favorite, and I think we're special to God. I do. And I only mean that we're special for this purpose. We were chosen for this purpose. Now, other ministries are special and, and important to God, too. But for whatever purpose it is, but our mission here. It goes beyond what we can even imagine, can even conceive. We got to just allow God to get that earthly decay off of us, that dust, that filth. Allow him to do it because when he does it, it's everlasting. It is eternal. We don't have to go back to that. But when we do it, we get the glory. And then they always hits us right back, always bites us in the butt. But it's always for him to get the glory.
So when you identify these things in the season and when God shows it to you, just say, okay, God, it just may be painful. I may not want to, I may not want to bury this, but I, it has to be buried. Show me what the purpose is. And the purpose is always going to be for his glory. But allow the purpose he tells you to motivate you to do it, to motivate you to move forward in it. Because I'm telling you, he's going to tell us some powerful things. And each person in here is going to have a purpose. It's going to have a, a, a just something that they have attached to us that's going to be special for them, that they can say, I was a part of that move. I was a part of that team when that happened. And we're all in heaven because we brought Jesus back. And when they, they welcoming us at, at, the, at the gate and all the angels are standing around saying, that's them. That cause the father to just allow Jesus to come down. You can be like, I was the one that talked to the girl that was connected to another ministry. You know what I'm saying? You can be that person. Yeah, everybody don't got to get up and do this, y'all. But everybody is important. So I love y'all. God bless you. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you. I bless your holy name. I, I magnify you. I exalt you. You're worthy and you have power over all the earth and all the heavens. There is no one like our God and we just honor you today. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your visions, God. Thank you for your visions which show us exactly what's happening in the spirit realm, Lord. And it's a guide to keep us motivated and to keep us sharp when things are going on in our lives that we just don't understand. So we receive your word, allow it to fall on good ground, fresh soil, and just allow it to just be rooted Root it like a tree and allow it to be grounded. Grounded like a, a, skyscraper, a skyscraper, Lord. And allow every bit of what was sown and what was intended for them to hear, God, do it intended its work and let it not return void. So today we lift you high. Every day we lift you high. You are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are our high priest who is always interceding for us, God. And we love you so much. And the word says that you know that we love you because we keep your commandments. And your commandments is, and your commandments are, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves and we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. So, Lord, we love you. We love our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, Niana had a question. We can leave the question on the mic. What's up, Charlie? You write it down? What's your question? Put it on the mic for me. Hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Four. It's for the recording. Is um is a chart basically just Getting closer to God. That's exactly what it is. The chart is getting closer to God. The chart is a, a, a chart to identify. And it's to help us move. All these visions are that. I have this, this, <laughs> this belief. It's very firm in me. There's some teachings that were spoken before any of us was here. It's like 2007 to 2011 or something like that. And then um, they're very powerful. It's that, the anointing is very strong in them. The anointing is to break yokes, to destroy bondage, okay? The anointing is not to edify the flesh. It is not entertainment, okay? Um, so when you feel pain or when you feel like a discomfort when you hear the word, that is the anointing operating, okay? The anointing does not edify the flesh. 
It does not rile up the crowd, I promise. There's a difference in entertainment and the anointing. Okay? So the anointing is sent to expose sin, deception, to break yokes, do those different things. Okay? That's what the anointing is for. The anointing is very strong in those teachings. All right? So I was, if you could find this, ask the Lord. It's back there. What teachings do you want me to read or what teachings do you want me to listen to? Off what is already recorded that we already have. And then the teachings that we're getting now, I'm not saying the in-between isn't important, but if you listen to both sides, if you listen to what is breaking the yoke and you listen to the, the glory of the teachings now, there is a, there's a double portion. Things are going to change. You have to work both sides because we need the anointing to break things off of us. That's just what it was, that's what it was intended for. It's God's power. That's his power, the anointing. But we need the glory, which is his presence, his person, and his power. It can, the glory can do anything, okay? The glory does everything. Not anything, it does everything. But just listen to those teachings and then get the new teachings or whenever you hear something in the teaching, write it down and meditate on it, and God will just, he'll fill you up. That's a practice that I did. I'm not saying I'm your poster boy, but I know what helped me, okay? God bless y'all.